Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. So there are many ways of bringing conflict to a story. You just want to pick one conflict and focus on it. And then you're going to revisit that conflict throughout the story. You're going to use it as an organizing structure. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach, and each week we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. What makes short stories different from novels? And what can novelists learn from short stories? So what's the difference beside the fact that short stories are just shorter? In this episode, I'm going to go over the structural elements that make a short story different from a novel. So if you're writing short stories, you're going to get tremendous value here in how to structure your story. And if you're writing a novel or memoir, don't go away. You're going to get tons of value from this too, because we'll be talking about how to structure, articulate, and build conflict as an organizing structure. And this will help you shape chapters and scenes. Most important, what I'm going to share with you today will help you learn the economy of language. So you can write any story with more elegance, more shape, and more potency. So what makes a novel and short story different, aside from word and page count? Well, a novel has a larger canvas. It often involves a bigger cast of characters. It will involve at least one subplot, and it has more space to roam into the character's past, and it generally spans a longer stretch of narrative time. Short stories typically cover a shorter time span, days, hours. It can span the length of a dinner party. A short story is compressed. You have to say a lot with a little. You can't afford long detours into backstory or character history. And it's a good place to keep the action moving forward without going back in time which makes it a great training ground for writing a novel, for writing a chapter, for writing your scenes. A short story typically illuminates a single moment, a moment of realization or regret or longing. As with all stories, a short story is about character transformation. 
So before we dive in, let's look at a couple of common mistakes new short story writers make and even novelists make. So the first mistake is introducing a situation and a conflict, but that ends after the first major scene. So the story doesn't develop through a series of actions that dramatize and resolve the conflict. So there's no progression. Another common mistake is that the writer will start off with one conflict, but instead of moving that conflict forward, the writer shifts to another conflict that's unrelated. So again, there's no progression. So let's dig in. I'm going to give you the definition of a short story that I learned from Doug Glover, and it's the simplest definition of a short story I've come across. A short story is a narrative that involves conflict between two poles, A versus B. So you have a central conflict, and now we're going to structure the story around that conflict. Now, A and B may be two characters, let's say a husband and wife or mother and daughter. The conflicting poles could exist within the character, so it could be internal conflict. Now, conflict does not have to be grand or epic. It's not necessarily a confrontation. It's not necessarily a showdown. I mean, it could be, but You don't need to manufacture conflict to make it powerful. Conflict is just any relationship of opposition, and that can be subtle. Conflict is everywhere. I want to sleep in on Monday, but I have to get my kid to driver's ed by 7 a.m. Conflict could be as simple as mom disapproves of her daughter's divorce. If Tom has a crush on Lisa, but she's head over heels in love with Robert, that's conflict. If a deadly virus spreads worldwide, that's conflict. If you lose your job, that's conflict. So A and B can be characters in conflict with one another or conflicting forces within your main character. Sometimes a character will be going head to head with another character. Sometimes a character will be battling an institution or a physical environment. He or she may be resisting societal roles, etc. So there are many ways of bringing conflict to a story. You just want to pick one conflict and focus on it. And then you're going to revisit that conflict throughout the story. You're going to use it as an organizing structure. So we have poles A and B, they're in opposition to one another. For example, in Lori Moore's short story, which is more than I can say about some people, that's the title, the two opposing poles are Abby, our protagonist, and her mother, the antagonist. So let's get to the brass tacks. Number one, you're going to start with the story's setup. You're going to set the stage, you're going to introduce the situation, and you'll introduce the dynamic between pole A and pole B, two characters. So let's use Lori Moore's story as an example. The story's central theme is about fear. 
In Abby's case, she's just been promoted at work, which will require her to travel to do public speaking events at universities, which as an introvert terrifies her. Who can relate, right? Here's how she opens the story to set it up. It was a fear greater than death, according to the magazines. Death was number four. After mutilation, three, and divorce, number two. Number one, the real fear, the one death could not even approach, was public speaking. So the narrator goes on to talk about how Abby's employer came to the decision to promote her, and this is an internal conflict for her because now she has to become a people person, to which her mother replies on the phone, peeper person? Abby says people and mom replies, oh, those. So we get a brief introduction to mom in the second paragraph and we get a sense of their dynamic. And then we get a brief glimpse into Abby's personal life and her failed marriage to Bob, who she's recently left, which is also the impetus for her to book a flight to Ireland, which her company gifted to her to give her a little breather before her new public speaking position starts. And here's a great dialogue scene that launches into the heart of the story. How her mother became part of the trip Abby still couldn't exactly recall. It had something to do with a stick shift, how Abby had never learned to drive one. In my day and age, said her mother, everyone learned. We all learned. Women had skills. They knew how to cook and sew. Now women have no skills. The stick shifts were half the rental price of the automatics. If you're looking for a driver, hinted her mother, I can still see the road. That's good, said Abby. And your sister Theta is spending the summer at your aunt's camp again. Theta had Down syndrome, and the family adored her. Every time Abby visited, Theta would shout, Look at you! and throw her arms around her in a terrific hug. Seed is, of course, sweet as ever, which is more than I can say about some people. That's probably true. I'd like to see Ireland while I can. Your father, when he was alive, never wanted to. I'm Irish, you know. I know. One sixteenth. That's right. Of course, your father was Scottish, which is a totally different thing. Abby sighed. It seems to me that Japanese would be a totally different thing. Japanese? hooted her mother. Japanese is close. So that's our setup. It's all of three pages, but we know who A and B are. We know where they're going, and we already have a sense of how these two characters clash. Now, notice that the conflict between mother and daughter is not acrimonious. You can sense that there's a bond here, despite her mother's subtle put-downs, and this will start to escalate as the story progresses. So, organizing element one, the setup. Organizing element two, the trap. 
So you want to trap A and B together. To borrow Anne Lamott's analogy, you want to put these two characters alone in an elevator and get the elevator stuck. Metaphorically, of course, not literally. So these are two opposing characters or two opposing forces that do not want to be together. They do not want to occupy the same space. In fact, they'd be very happy to avoid one another. So now they're alone together in an elevator and the elevator gets stuck. They're forced to deal with one another. So they'll fight, again, not literally fight, but they'll fight, they'll argue, they'll rest, they'll fight. Sometimes A will have the upper hand, then B will have the upper hand. They may call a truce so they can get out of the stuck elevator together. But you want to imagine putting A and B into a situation where they're forced to resolve their conflict one way or the other. So back to Lori Moore's story. They're in Ireland. Her mother's doing all the driving. There's some banter back and forth, which shows their opposing views and philosophies and so on. And we get that mom disapproves of her daughter through these subtle put downs. At one point, here's how Abby describes the feeling of being trapped in that stuck elevator. Here she and her mother were, sharing the tiniest of cars, reunited in a wheeled and metal womb, sharing small double beds in bed and breakfasts, waking up with mouths stale and close upon each other, or backs turned and rocking in angry-seeming humps. The land of ire, talk of Abby's marriage and its possible demise, trotted before them on the road like a herd of sheep, insomnia's sheep, and it made Abby want to have a gun. And at one point, Abby thinks, She was starting to feel a little tight-lipped with her mother, crammed into this space together like astronauts. So organizing element two, trap A and B together. Organizing element number three. I call this the rule of three. So the central conflict is dramatized through a series of actions, scenes and events in which A and B get together once, again, and again. So three times is the critical number here. It could be more, but it should be no less than three. So the conflict will be revisited once, twice, and a third time. Now, it's the same conflict. It's just articulated in a different way. And each time, It brings us deeper into the emotional structure of the story. It brings us deeper into your character's internal struggle. So we've already had some glimpses into the mother-daughter dynamic in our setup. It starts out kind of playful, but then it starts to build when they're actually together in Ireland. Now, you're going to organize these three events with time switches. Time switches like, so in the middle of June, we landed in the Dublin airport. For the next two days, etc. The next day, 
etc. It was the next day and so on. So each time you revisit the central conflict, try a time switch, a space break and a time switch, space break, time switch. So the rule of three, here's the first time Abby and her mother hit on the central story conflict. Her mother asks, are you still too nervous to cross the border to Northern Ireland? And Abby says, "Uh uh-huh. And she bites at the thumbnail, tearing at it like it's a tiny twig. So remember, the opening paragraph talked about fear. So this is the first time on the trip that Abby's confronting this fear. And as they cross the border into the north, they pass flak-jacketed soldiers patrolling the neighborhoods and the barbed wire of Newry and young men holding automatic weapons and helicopters are flapping above. And Abby says, this is a little scary. And her mom says, it's all show. And Abby says, it's a scary show. And her mother says, if you get scared easily. And here's where Abby reflects back the theme that was introduced in the opening paragraph. Her mother says, if you get scared easily, which was quickly becoming the theme of their trip. Abby could see that already, that Abby had no courage and her mother did, and that it had forever been that way. Okay, so she's articulating the central conflict between mother and daughter. So that's our first encounter with the central conflict. Then we encounter the central conflict a second time. Same conflict, different situation. They go to a rope and board bridge slung high between two cliffs. Now, These are supposed to be for fishermen, but tourists are allowed, although they're cautioned about strong winds. So they come up to the sign for the rope bridge and mom says, I want to do this. And Abby says, I'm going to stay here. Mom says, you are? Abby says, yeah. And mom says, whatever, in a disgusted way. And mom takes off. So Abby stays put in the car. Now, the wind is now gusting and she starts worrying about her mother, but her mother eventually comes back. She knocks on the glass and she's muddy and wet and Abby unlocks the car door, pushes it open for her and she asks, was it worth it? And here's our first clue that Abby's mom is not quite as fearless as she lets on. She gets in the driver's seat, big and dank and puffing, She starts the car without looking at her daughter and finally says, what a bridge. Okay, so that's the second time. Okay, now on to the third time. Finally, they make it to the Blarney Stone. They've been talking about this the entire trip. It's supposed to be the highlight of their trip. And at the castle, there's a line to kiss the Blarney Stone. It's hot and some people are losing their nerve and coming back down the stairs of the castle's tower. Now, Abby is terrified and anxious, and she says to her mother, I don't want to do this. Her mother says, you can do it. And she sees people lying on their backs out over this parapet and stretching their necks out to place their lips on the underside of this supporting wall 
And there's this strange looking leprechaunish man squatting at the side of the stone, supposedly to help people arch back, but he seems to be holding them too loosely. And people are changing their minds and they're going back downstairs. But at this point, Abby and mom are at the top of the castle. The line is moving quickly. And now Abby is in full on panic. She says to her mother, you know what? I don't want to do this. Yes, you can. Abby says, I don't think I can do this. Mom says, but you came all this way. Don't be a ninny. So Abby states her desire. Her mother opposes her. They go back and forth. So they're next in line. Mom says, go on. Abby whines, I can't, I can't, you go. So Leprechaun Man is getting impatient. So Abby says, okay. She does it quickly. She gets it over with. She doesn't kiss the stone. She kind of blows a peck at it and then says, okay, please help me up. Now she's proud of herself. She did something that scared her. And now it's her mother's turn. And guess what? Mom is terrified. The leprechaun is telling her lower, now lower. And she says, oh God, not any lower. She doesn't see the stone. So he loosens his grip and he lets her slip further. She says, okay, yes, I see it. And she gives it like a quick kiss. And then she struggles to come back up and she gets stuck. Her legs thrash, her shoes get loose, her skirt rides up to expose her pantyhose. She doesn't have the stomach muscles to lift herself back up and Leprechaun Man is having difficulty, so he asks for help. So Abby and another man in line squat next to her mom to help her. She finally emerges, stiff with fright, and she's stricken and pale. She needs to be escorted by a guard down the staircase in case she falls. So we've revisited the same conflict at three different times. Each one builds on the previous. So those are the main story events. There's a couple more where mom and daughter talk about Abby's failed marriage and so forth, but you can see how the conflict is embodied once, then again, and again, each builds in intensity, and finally, it's resolved. Abby learned something about her mother. She now has compassion for her. It transforms their relationship, and Abby is victorious. She's done something that scared the bejesus out of her. There's been transformation. So let's recap. A short story involves conflict between two poles, A versus B. A and B may be two characters, or it may be conflicting poles within the same character. You just want to focus on one conflict and develop it through a series of actions that progressively dramatize and resolve that conflict. Organizing element one, the setup. You're going to set the stage. You'll introduce the situation and you'll introduce the dynamic between the two characters, pole A and pole B. Organizing element two, the trap. You want to trap A and B together. Think of trapping them in an elevator and then get the elevator stuck. This will force them to battle it out. They'll rest, they'll fight again, and eventually get out of that elevator. In organizing element number three, 
I call this the rule of three. The central conflict is dramatized through a series of actions, events, and scenes in which A and B get together once, again, and again. Three times is the magic number. It could be more, but it should be no less. You want to make use of time markers to keep us situated. Later that day, the next day, for the next two days, etc. So there you go. What I love about short stories, whether you aspire to write short stories or not, is that you can learn about how to use repetition and variation to amplify your story's conflict and theme. You don't have to write a short story to learn these techniques, but you can read short stories with these structures in mind. So see how these three organizing elements work in short stories that you read and then try to apply them to what you're working on now. So there you have it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And if you know any writers who need some support in their writing, please share this episode or the Writer Unleashed podcast in general. And if you love what you're listening to, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and please leave me a review. Reading how this podcast impacts your writing truly makes my day and it helps me create topics for the show. Till next time, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.